0: This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Sturk Financial Services. Now here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, and today's topic is money mistakes that entrepreneurs make. So we all have people that we know in our life that are entrepreneurs and many of you listening are in fact working for yourself or some type of business owner or partner Um, and if you're not like I said somebody you know and love probably is. So we're going to talk about money mistakes that entrepreneurs typically make but even if you're not a business owner yourself think about some of the things that we're saying because they will also cross over and apply to just about everyone as well. All right. With me today, I have Kelsey Banke, Certified Financial Planner with Sturk Financial. Soon to op- open our new Kansas City branch, which yes. is exciting. Very exciting. <laughs> we're getting closer and I'm closer. moving south. <laughs> there we go. We will miss you here. But Kelsey is going to come back every quarter and work with people that she has already been working with here. So we're pleased to have her still being in the Sturk Financial family and then expanding things in a southerly direction for us. But money mistakes that an entrepreneur makes really, really does seem to start with the very first one that we want to talk about. This is a pitfall that that impacts most entrepreneurs. And it's that they tend to reinvest everything into the business and not save separately for retirement. Not diversify their investments either. You see this... A lot. Time a lot. and time again.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, more Way more often than we see it the other way. So um, it, it, it's exciting to invest in your business. You believe in yourself. You believe in your business. You you want to see it grow. And all of those things are admirable. Um, however, diversifying your investments is also a very important piece of growing your net worth and eventually someday re- achieving your uh, retirement goals. And and. That's a lot of it is very much from a safety standpoint because you might be the best at what you do. You might have all the things going for you that need to be going in the right way and, and have a really great plan. But diversification is there to protect you from all the things that you don't see coming mm-hmm. that can very quickly derail. A lot, if not everything.
0: You know, there's a there's a lot of businesses that do fail. And we're by no means saying that you should expect your business to fail. We hope they all succeed. But because such a high percentage of businesses do fail, then if you've poured everything into your business, even if at one time it was going great, you don't have any fallback plan. And that's the problem with investing everything into your business. Now, we would suggest that you think about Using a rule of thirds and the rule of thirds when it comes to entrepreneurial money management is this. If you have actual profit in your business, so once you've paid for all the expenses and you've taken your income out of it, if there's profit left, consider splitting the profit three ways. Having a third of it actually go back and reinvest into growing the business. Great idea with a third of the profit. Have one third of the profit go to be set aside to help supplement your own retirement and take one-third of the profit now to just enjoy. Because most entrepreneurs work their fingers to the bone. They do. (laughs) And so we tend not to take the time out to enjoy our life. We're always building, building, building for the future. So taking a third of the profit and investing it for you and your family to actually enjoy something now is a key part of enjoying the experience of being an entrepreneur. Absolutely. Now, one of the pushbacks that we get when we talk about this idea is – People who are entrepreneurs often don't think that they are someone who ever will want to retire. They're thinking, well, I'm going to work forever, which forever sounds good until you get to an age where you're not feeling so well (laughs) health-wise. And it doesn't feel so good anymore. (laughs)
1: Well, in health, and there's a lot of things that in your life can change that you don't really know how you're going to feel about that until you get there. Right. So, um, you know, if, if grandkids are in your future... Um, you know, speaking from experience from my family members, Mm -hmm. working doesn't seem as great, even if it's something you love when there's grandkids to go see,
0: Um, and, and that might not be, that might not be
1: the case for you, but you know, be aware that how you feel about life, how you feel about your work, even if it's something you love, all of that will change how you feel about where you live. I mean, how many people move? somewhere else after they, they are done because, you know, they just can't tolerate the cold anymore. I hear that a Mm -hmm. lot. Um, and so how you feel when you're young and, and, and excited about everything and very, very resilient may not be the same way you feel about things 40 years down the road.
0: So if you're someone who has the mindset of why would I retire? Because I love what I do which can often translate to, I'm not going to save for retirement. I'm just going to pour everything back into my business. Here's, here's the thing that you need to do a paradigm shift in your mind about. Instead of thinking about retirement, think about setting yourself up for a point in life where work is now optional. So, If you're not working because you need the money, you're working because you truly do love what you're doing. It's about passion. It's about loving it. It's about doing what you want to spend your time doing. And that is a huge different level of freedom when you know that you're only working for those reasons instead of because you actually do need this job that you love or this business that you've created to provide a a living for you and to take care of you and your family. So if retirement isn't the word that resonates with you, my hunch is that thinking about a time where work is optional, that you're, you have enough money that you don't have to work, you just want to work, that's a different mindset and a different way to think about saving for. The other thing that we get pushback from entrepreneurs about this is, but my business has the best ROI of anything. I can't get that kind of ROI on investments in the stock market or something like that. Like My business is growing at 20%, 25%, 30% profit a year. Well, awesome. I'm super glad to hear that. (laughs) But just because it has sometimes does not mean that it always will. And that goes back to Kelsey's concept of diversification, not having all of your eggs in one basket. That could really have a negative impact if it does go south at some point.
1: Yeah, it's it's there's a lot of unknowns about the future. It's all unknown. We just speculate Um, but diversification is truly there to help you. So in those years where something happens in your industry, something happens in your community, something happens in your family that maybe causes you to not be able to put as much time into things, there are a lot of things that can derail, and um, so often it's not necessarily something people saw coming or could effectively plan for on the short term, so you need to be planning for it on the long term to be ready.
0: All right. The next thing that is a common mistake that entrepreneurs specifically make, but also can cross over to just about anybody listening, is having the desire to do it yourself, which is a great desire when it comes to doing your own investment planning. But when you're an entrepreneur, you tend to have a greater belief that you can do everything yourself. Um, We see this a lot with our entrepreneur clients that they felt like they could do all their own investing or their own stock picking or things like that because they're competent people and they know how to run their business. So if you've got a good business mind, it can frequently translate into a good financial mind. But here's the problem with that is that for many entrepreneurs, running their business is for sure a full-time job, if not the equivalent of more than one full-time job. (laughs) And so the amount of time that you have available to spend paying attention to your investment portfolio is going to diminish the more that your business demands increase. So what happens with entrepreneurs is that things get ignored. okay? And then when they do get addressed, they typically only get addressed because something big is happening. So entrepreneurs who've ignored their portfolios We'll see a headline that says, oh, the market is crashing. And then they're going to have a distinct emotional reaction to that. And they're going to go make a change based on the emotional reaction and not be thinking about it in terms of it's time to do a full evaluation because this portfolio has been ignored for a while. Don't change it because of emotion. Change it because it actually makes sense to change it. So. Ignoring your portfolio as an entrepreneur is one thing that we commonly see happening.
1: (laughs) It just takes a backseat to everything else. And um, the, the good news is it doesn't have to be that way. Right. You can have somebody helping you monitor it or you need to be setting a process yourself on how you need to monitor it. If you can't keep up with that process, paying for somebody to do that for you, it's probably money very well spent.
0: Absolutely. So here's the thing, if you're a do-it-yourselfer and you don't actually have a process that you follow, or if you're someone who has an emotional reaction, if you're getting nervous when you're seeing the market's rocky, or if you're getting elated when you see it's good, and those things are making you drive your investment decisions, our recommendation is this, either use a formula or use a fiduciary. Using a formula, if you're a do-it-yourselfer, means you have a process. You have a process to evaluate when should you buy something and you have a process to evaluate when you should be selling something. And neither one of those processes is driven on emotion okay? It's going to be driven off of fundamental analysis. It's going to be driven off of technical analysis. Whatever it is that your formula is, is great. Just have a formula. And if you don't have a formula, then our recommendation is that you find a fiduciary like us who you would work with in order to be able to manage the investments without the same level of emotional reaction. So, A fiduciary is someone who is always going to be making recommendations for you that are in your best interest. And you would think that all advisors are fiduciaries. (laughs) That'd be nice. (laughs) Yes. In fact, they are not. (laughs) So having a fiduciary being someone who is absolutely going to make recommendations on your best interest they're going to be making some type of fee. They may even be hybrid where there could be some commission work involved, but if so, they're disclosing that to you. you know. But if you're paying somebody a fee to manage your money for you, then they are, by and large, likely to have some type of formula that they're following. And you should ask them. You should ask your fiduciary, what's your formula? How do you decide when you're going to buy and sell things? How do the money managers work that you are working with for my portfolio? So... Don't ignore your portfolio, but if you are going to ignore it, instead, hire a fiduciary or have a formula. Okay, when we come back, we're going to keep talking about money mistakes that entrepreneurs make. Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, And today we're talking about money mistakes that entrepreneurs make. We have talked about... The problem that can come with reinvesting everything into your business and not saving separately for retirement. We've talked about the problem of being a do-it-yourselfer and ignoring your portfolio and how to counteract that and to counteract the emotional reaction. You should either have a formula or use a fiduciary. And now we're going to talk about a couple of things that are specifically investment related that entrepreneurs tend to make these mistakes. So the first thing I want to talk about is ignoring the current economic cycle when it comes to your bonds. Now, a lot of this does really tie back to the fact that entrepreneurs tend to ignore their portfolios. And if you're ignoring your portfolio, you're definitely going to miss this. So, Kelsey, share with our listeners how interest rates and bonds are actually related.
1: Uh, Bonds and interest rates, uh, you know, the longer term durations are going to um, move opposite of interest rates so if you think of it like a seesaw um, interest rates sit on one side of that seesaw and then from the middle out on the other end of the seesaw are the duration of bonds so short-term bonds toward the middle intermediate term bonds toward the middle of that uh, toward the middle of that half of the the seesaw and then long-term bonds out there on the other end of the seesaw where the other person would sit and as interest rates go up the the value of those bonds will shift down on the other side of the seesaw as interest rates go down the value of those go up and so it's really important to understand how interest rates are moving and how things like that are are impacting your portfolio and adjusting, and, and paying attention to where your money is invested and where new money is being invested.
0: Right. So, you know, if you have done something like a set it and forget it, portfolio where you put it into something that someone told you five years ago or 10 years ago was a good spot for the money, if you haven't reallocated where and how your bonds are invested, then you're completely ignoring where we are in our current economic cycle. In fact, the Fed has raised interest rates several times this year, which makes anything that is in these longer term bonds losing value. And if your portfolio is concentrated in them, then your bond portfolio, which is supposed to be more of the stability factor within your investments, has probably lost some money. And so paying attention to where we are with interest rates and what's happening in the interest rate world is going to influence where your bonds should be invested or concentrated. And if you're not paying attention to that, then it's not maximized inside your portfolio. You're losing money that you don't have to lose and you're missing out on gains that you could be capturing. So don't ignore the economic cycle and the interest rate cycle when it comes to planning your bond portfolio. All right. Another thing that entrepreneurs specifically miss is that they tend to ignore on their established accounts whether or not the performance of their things are doing well. So, again, in a set-it-or-forget-it portfolio you're and in, in one that you've ignored for quite some time, then you're not going back and looking as to whether or not the holdings that you have are good or if they're bad. Yeah, this is a pretty big one because so many people tend to look at their portfolios, just
1: are they making money or not. Right. There's some... Some flaws with that theory, in my opinion, and this is this is one of the big ones. Is and I'll I'll give you an example in the um, the emerging markets world because that's one that's zigzagging to extremes. It's one of the more volatile type of investments.
0: So emerging markets is more like your third world countries, international based countries, things that are not like the big full markets like China and Europe. Those are developed markets. But smaller countries, that's what an emerging market is considered.
1: You'd be looking at like South Korea and Thailand and things like that mm-hmm. that are are going toward uh, a developed uh, system, but are, are still in the very early stages of that. So we consider those emerging markets countries. So in the emerging markets world, you can be in a fund that made, you know, 10 percent last year. Let's just use that as an example. Um But if that fund is toward the middle or low end of the emerging markets peer group, the top end, I've seen those um, be 40% returns. (laughs) So 10% in that particular category may seem great, and you might be content with that. But if you're not looking at where you could be with that same kind of risk you could be missing out on a pretty significant amount of return. So that's the kind of analysis that you need to be doing is looking at the entire group of investments doing that same type of of investing, you know, this in this example, emerging markets category, looking at that whole category and going, "Okay, where's the best place in that category for me to invest and how is the one I am in I'm doing investing and not saying you have to be at the very top every time because that's not always going to be the, the same one um, from year to year to year. But if you're consistently in that average to below average section, then maybe um, you need to be looking at making a change.
0: Yeah, and the being below average can cut both ways. It means that you're making less than you could be making, but it also means that if there's a year where there's a loss, that you lost more than you needed to lose. You Absolutely. You lost more than average. So peer group ranking of your funds is something that, many fiduciaries do it's something that we think is a core component of doing portfolio management in fact we think it so strongly that every single quarter in our managed accounts we're looking at every single holding and we're looking at every single client and peer group ranking everything and if it's something that maybe isn't at the top of the favor for one or two quarters we don't really get too bent out of shape about that because things are cyclical and and sometimes they can come back but If you have something that's below average for three or four quarters in a row, and let's say in the emerging markets world there's a thousand different choices of what you could be in, then why would you want to stay in something that's consistently below average? But entrepreneurs especially who've gotten busy with their businesses and have started ignoring their portfolios that maybe they used to manage at a higher level, they are completely missing this. Now many investors who are do-it-yourselfers, are completely missing this. But entrepreneurs, in, in specifically, we see that happen the most with them.
1: Yeah, because it's not always something that's going to be brought to your attention just with, quote-unquote, poor performance. It's It's happening potentially all the time, but they might not be paying attention until they see what they consider poor performance.
0: One other pitfall that we see investors make is that they focus on what the average performance of a fund has been over time. And there is a concept out there that's called the flaw of averages. And the flaw of averages basically says that you can have money that makes the same percentage of money over time, but the order of the wins and the losses in that fund actually can create a completely different end result of money even though the actual average is the same so it's kind of hard to illustrate this just verbally but think about the fact if you have something that is making let's just say four percent a year over the course of six years and you have something that is going so just steady four percent every year the average on that is of course four percent But over a six-year period, if you have a fund where it goes up by 20% and then the next year down by 10%, then up by 20, down by 10, up by 20, down by 10, the actual average of that fund is 5%. Okay, So it's a higher average. However, for the same dollar amount of starting, you'll actually have slightly less money in that fund that averaged 5%. Than you will in the fund that just averaged a steady 4%. We can show you the math on that if you're questioning it, but it's interesting because it's an example of where the actual average isn't really what's driving it. It's the sequence of the returns that's driving it. And that's something to pay attention to that most entrepreneurs, in fact, most investors actually miss. So these are some common money mistakes that entrepreneurs make. If you are an entrepreneur who's been ignoring your portfolio, if you're a do it or who's ready to find a fiduciary, then we would love to talk to you. You can reach out to us to schedule a free value assessment meeting, which is the first meeting that you'd have with one of our planners Come on in, talk to one of our planners and we can kind of show you how we analyze things and you can decide if it's something that you're interested in. So thanks for listening to Money Guide with Mary Sterk.